Well, I was extremely humbled on Monday. I mean, I was brought low, way, way, way low on Monday. Because Carter Humley and I went over to Jacksonville. There's a guy over there who set up some obstacles. The obstacles were, were built in, in mirroring the ones that you might have seen on TV, on the TV show called America, American Ninja Warrior. Have you ever seen that on TV? They have obstacles like one was a warped wall. It was, it was huge, 14 feet tall. You kind of, it's warped like this. The idea is to run at it, run up it and jump and get to the top of the wall and pull yourself up. Impossible. Impossible. <laughs> another, another one was instead of monkey bars like out on playground, they had, they had baseballs hanging from, from chains and you're supposed to support your whole body weight on that baseball and swing across like it's mo- impossible. You can't do it. Another one was they had this pull-up bar where you're supposed to do a pull-up and then move it up this track. No way. No way. I was so humbled. They make it look so easy on TV. Right? You watch it on TV, they make it look so easy. The Olympic athletes we just got through watching, they make their sport look so easy. But we have to realize that behind that is hours and hours and hours of practice where they eat, sleep, and drink their sport, their dedication, their passion to get up every morning and excel, their desire to get up every morning and get better. So let me ask you a question as we begin this morning. Is it a burning desire, is it a passion of yours to get to know God better, to understand Him better? Is this wanting and this craving to get to know Jesus better on your mind as you walk as you jog, as you drive to work, as you work, as you mow the grass, as you just sit and think and contemplate. Is this a passion of yours? I hope indeed that it is because things of earth, even the Olympics, just pale in comparison to your relationship with God. So this morning, let's look at an Old Testament hero of the faith, a man of God, And let's examine his heart's desire to know God better. And in turn, maybe our hearts will be touched as well. So if you brought your Bibles with you this morning, please turn to Exodus 33. Exodus 33. As we get ready to see an encounter that Moses had. Moses had with the living God, the very same God that we've gathered here today to sing to and to worship and praise. To set the stage a little bit. God has already spoken and shown himself to Moses through the burning bush. Moses has already seen God rain down the plagues on the Egyptians. Moses had seen God part the Red Sea and all the Israelites came across safely. Moses had struck a rock at Horeb and water came forth from a rock. Moses had seen God lead the Israelites through the wilderness by a cloud in the day. And at night, it was a pillar of fire. After all this, after all those intimate, personal experiences with God, we read in Exodus verse, or chapter 33, verse 18, Then Moses said, I pray you, show me your glory. Step back. Really, Moses? You just had all these encounters and experiences with God, and you're praying, show me your glory? In chapter, in verse 11, excuse me, of that same chapter, it said they, they talked as if they were friends. And Moses prays, God, show me your glory. I want us to think 
for a minute deeply on that desire of Moses. Think deeply on that Psalm of David we read earlier where his soul thirsts for God and his flesh yearned for God. Think of that. And again, ask yourself this question. Do you have a hunger? Do you have a passion to get to know God better? Does that exist in your heart today? Where are we spending our free time? It's good to do that sort of evaluation because it shows us where our priorities are. And if this wanting, if this craving is not existent in your heart today, if it's not there, then out of just 100% brotherly, family, Christian love to you, I hope it's rekindled soon. I really, really do. Moses prayed to see God's glory, to understand Him more. Remember, God's glory is the totality of God. It's who God is makes up His glory. It's, it's His entirety. It's His fullness. It's His entire being that we make up, that we call God's glory. It's the sum of everything He is. It's all of His divine perfections and characteristics. It's all of His divine qualities. It's His righteousness. It's His omnipresence. It's His love. It's His kindness. It's His grace. It's His mercy. It's His wrath. All of these things combined make up His glory. And Moses said, I want to see that. I want to know know your fullness of your being. God, show me your glory. We need to understand. And we should want the same thing. That today, God, today, pull back the veil. Make my blind eyes see you more clearly. Touch my heart so I can know more of you, your the height and the width and the depth of your love that you have for me. I just want to know you more. Is that your heart's desire? Here's the point. If Moses prayed this prayer, right, the man who had all these previous experiences with God, then how much more should we be wanting the same thing? Right? You have to conclude then that none of us in this room, not a single one of us in this room, knows the fullness of God yet. So it's our desire to keep learning, keep wanting, deepen our relationship with Him. Whatever whatever you have pictured in your mind right now of God, after all the years of studying and reading and learning, in your mind when you picture God, I can assure you it's way too small. It's way too small. Moses realized this. He wanted to go deeper and deeper. God, show me your fullness is what he prayed. When we open up our Bibles, we should be praying, God, reveal yourself to me. Show me your glory. I want to learn about you more. When we pray, God, through your Holy Spirit, illuminate me, my heart. I just want to walk with you closer. I want to get to know you better. When we walk into this church on Sunday mornings, right now, when we leave in a few minutes, our minds, our passion, what's our desire should be, God, I want to walk closer with you and learn more about you. How's God going to respond to this? Well, how did God respond to this? Moving on to verse 19. And he said, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. God gives an affirmative response to Moses. Moses asked to see his glory. God says, I'll show you my goodness. And that affirms us what a good, loving God we have, full of kindness and uh, compassion and favor towards his people. 
who seek him. And he will not hide from us. And then what follows and flows into chapter 34 just grabbed my attention this week. It just grabbed me and pulled me into the text. Because here God starts to proclaim. I will proclaim. Here God is going to be the teacher and Moses is going to be the student. Here God is going to be the preacher and Moses is going to be the congregation. Here God is going to proclaim. We have the greatest being of all time ever. God is going to teach us on the greatest subject of all time, God. God is going to teach us about God. And he says, I will be gracious on whom I will be gracious. What a privilege it is for God to be gracious to us in such a personal, intimate way. God has chosen to have compassion on us, his creation. It all starts with God and flows down to us. There's nothing in Moses that merited this. It's from God and God alone that he would illuminate Moses to his character. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, 6, all of us like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us to fall on him. And in Romans 3:11, we read, there is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. So there's none, nobody that seeks after God. No, not one. So how humbling it is today then that God has chosen to be gracious to us. He is the great pursuer of us. He poured out his grace on us. Everything flows down from God to us. How humbling that is. Does that make you want to know him better? In verse 20. We read, but he said, you cannot see my face for no man can see me and live. If God were to make his glory known to us right now in this room, in his fullness, we would all die. We would all die. Our legs would go limp. Our knees would buckle. We fall over like a cut down tree and we die. If the fullness of his glory popped up into this room because we're in the presence of a holy God. Remember Isaiah when Isaiah was rushed into the temple of God, entered the temple of God, he said, Woe is me, for I am ruined. I am destroyed. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. The glory of God. So notice as the text continues, how God has to put buffers in place between him and Moses. Because... He has to separate the totality, the fullness of his glory from Moses. He's got to put up filters because Moses couldn't handle it. So we read on and we see. uh, Then the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me and you shall stand there on the rock and it will come about while my glory is passing by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock. Buffer number one, Moses, you have to be over here in the cleft of the rock. And I'll cover you with my hand until I pass by. Buffer number two, we have the cleft of the rock and God's hand going to cover Moses because his glory, God's glory would be too much for Moses to handle. And then I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take my hand away and you shall see my back. And notice here in the text, the back. Buffer number three, the totality of God's glory can't be handled by somebody in this corruptible flesh that we have. 
but my face shall not be seen. Moses could not look upon the glory of God's face. It would be easier for Moses at this point to take off his sandals and get transported to the sun and walk barefoot on the sun than it would be for him to to experience the full glory of God and live. Thank goodness someday we will have glorified bodies, that we can have glorified legs, that someday we'll be able to stand in God's holy presence and just worship and praise Him forever. Skipping on to chapter 35, God indeed follows through 34, excuse me. God indeed follows through, displays his glory to Moses and gives us further insight into his being. In Exodus 34, verse 5, And the Lord descended in a cloud, another buffer. He descended in the cloud and stood there with him as he called upon the name of the Lord. Then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed. Here we go again. God is going to proclaim. God is going to teach. And he says, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious. Compassionate. Compassionate here is drawn from a Hebrew word that means womb. So the idea is God is saying, I'm loving with a tender love, a warm love, an affectionate love like a mother has for her child. And contrast that to some of the, the, the gods of the Egyptians or the ancient gods that were stern and harsh and stoic. And God here reveals himself as one with feelings and immense Feelings for us, his creation. Compassion. He says, I'm gracious. And the root word here in Hebrew meant to stoop. To bend over, to stoop down. God says, I'm gracious. I will stoop down to you. Reach down for us at the very bottom of the barrel, right? And pick us up and lift us up to him. It's impossible for us to work our way up to God. He says, I'm gracious. I will bend over. I will stoop down and lift you to me. He says, I'm slow to anger, slow to punish. Think about that. Before we were Christians, aren't we glad? Shouldn't we give him praise that he's slow to anger before we were Christians? If giving us time to repent, we were dead in our sins. Thank goodness he's slow to anger. It gives us time to turn and come back to him. And now after After becoming a believer, a follower in Christ, thank goodness he's still slow to anger. Because sometimes we wander and he gives us time to repent and get back on the narrow path. God says, I am slow to anger. Abounding in loving kindness. Not just loving kindness, but abounding in loving kindness. God says, I'm like a fountain that never stops. I'm like the spring in the earth that just keeps on giving. Abounding in loving kindness. It just keeps flowing. It just never, ever, ever stops. That's who God is telling us He is. That's that unconditional, unfailing, steadfast, loyal love that God has just bound Himself to us with. He says He's abounding in loving kindness. By thousands. God just keeps on loving. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And notice what's next. Go ahead and flip to the next slide, please. Keeps on loving for thousands and forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin. And we know that God has fulfilled that through the cross, through the Lamb of God that has taken away the sins of the world. Yet, He will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, Visiting the iniquity of fathers on the children and on the grandchildren to the third and fourth 
generations. And this is the big dilemma now of the Old Testament. How can a God who is gracious, kind, and compassionate at the same time punish the guilty? How can he at the same time forgive, but then swear by himself that he will not leave the guilty unpunished? The only answer, the only resolution to this is the cross at Calvary. Where Jesus Christ was was crucified. Jesus was punished. Jesus suffered. Jesus bled and died and took on the fullness of God's wrath on himself. And as a result of that suffering of Christ, now God can forgive. The punishment was paid. The suffering was done by Jesus. Now God can forgive our sins. So that's not a dilemma at all when we think of the cross at Calvary. Every sin will be punished by God. He will not leave the guilty unpunished. Our sins, everyone, if you're a follower of Christ, all of our sins that we've ever committed were were indeed punished on the cross. Jesus took the punishment. For the non-believer, yes, indeed, their sins will be punished. It will be an eternal separation from God. It will be hell. But realize that every sin that is unholy will be judged by a holy God. The only place to stand, the only place to stand is in Christ. In Christ where that wrath of God has already fallen. Let's finish with verse 8. How did Moses respond? Let's finish this section with verse 8. I'm not done yet. How did Moses respond? How would you respond? How should I respond? Do you think Moses just yawned? Do you think Moses just kind of casually looked around? No. Moses made haste to bow low towards the earth and worship. This calls for an immediate response. Moses hit the ground. Moses' face hit the dirt. Moses could not go low enough in the presence of an almighty, holy, glorious God. Is that the type of God that you want to get to know better? Do you have a passion? Do you have a desire to walk with Him deeper? You know, today in 2016, our culture has just lost sight of the holiness of God. His name is tossed around every day so flippantly, taken in vain. We turn on the TV. We all go to movies. We hear people talking around us. His name is just taken in vain routinely. Our Lord Jesus Christ's name is now suddenly used in just every average day sentences as adjectives or meaning bad things as a form of disgust. Man, have we lost sight of who he is and how holy he is? I hope you haven't lost sight of our holy God. So if we have the same desire as Moses to see God, to get to know him better, what do we do? What do we do? Well, I think we walk with, and we learn from, and we submit to, and we're transformed by the words and action on the cross of Jesus Christ. In Colossians 1.19, we read, For it was the Father's good pleasure for the fullness to dwell in Him. In Colossians 2.9, 
For in him, meaning Jesus, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. When Moses asked to see God's glory, God showed up. When we ask or desire or want to see God and learn more about God, he showed up. And he, and he continues to show up every day through his word, through the words of Jesus Christ. Because in Jesus, the fullness of his deity dwelt in bodily form. We have seen this fullness displayed on the cross. Moses prayed, show me your glory. Our prayer should be more like, God, we've seen your glory. Help me submit to Christ. Help me live like he wants me to live. Help me treat others as Jesus. Your glory in bodily form Ask me to treat others. Help me deal with sin in my life as Jesus would have me deal with sin in my life. God, work through me. Create in me a new creature with a new mind, right? A new mind that thinks on heavenly things. A new creature in Christ that thinks on heavenly things not temporary, earthly, non-important things. God's glory is available for us all to see every day this side of the cross. We don't have to get into the cleft of a rock. He doesn't have to put his hand over us. He has revealed his glory through Christ. We can see it every day. We can be in it every day through his word. His word. Are you reading this Bible every day to go deeper? To see God's glory. Are you reading the Bible every day? If not, why? If you're not in this every day, why not? Because in here contains the revelation of the Holy God creator of the universe. Where he has shown us and tells us about his gracious nature. Now he loves you and how he wants to pull you towards him. Why not? It contains the words that lead to eternal life. Another way to ask that question is, is eternal life valuable to you? Oh, I don't know. On a scale of one to ten, I'd probably put it at a thousand, right? I mean, is eternal life valuable to you or not? Because in here contains the words that lead to eternal life. So why aren't we in the book more and in the scripture more for God to show us his glory? Listen, I, I, I convict myself when I think on these things, right? I mean, I'm, I'm not, I don't live up to the standard. I would wish for myself half the time, a lot of the time, some of the time when it comes to my spiritual walk with God. But I can tell you right now where my heart is today. As I'm standing up here on the stage, my heart is one where I want to get to know him better. I want to just keep chasing after God. I want to go deeper in my relationship with God. But that's my heart. The real question is, where's your heart today? Being a follower of Jesus, craving to know him better every day is so much more than saying the sinner's prayer. It starts there. Being a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Christ, wanting to go deeper is so much more than being baptized. 
It starts there. Being a follower of Jesus is all about obedience and submission. So around this topic of obedience and submission, let's go back to Moses one more time as we get ready to conclude. Moses, who's had all these experiences with the living God and now has even partially seen his glory, for whatever reason, is not obedient when it comes to a particular command from God. The Israelites were thirsty and grumbling again, and we read this account in Numbers 28 through 12. Take the rod, and you and your brother Aaron assemble the congregation and speak to the rock before their eyes, that it may yield its water. You shall thus bring forth water for them out of the rock, and let the congregation and their beasts drink. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord, just as he had commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly before the rock. And he said to them, listen now, you rebels, shall we bring forth water for you out of this rock? Then Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod. And water came forth abundantly and the congregation and their beast drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you have not believed me to treat me as holy in the sight of the sons of Israel. Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. You know, Rick and I talked a little bit about this phrase this week. To treat me as holy. Moses didn't act in obedience to one command from God that we think is rather small. He hit the rock. He was supposed to speak to it. But God viewed it as a huge offense and said, you didn't treat me as holy. And Moses, therefore, was not allowed to enter into the promised land. Are we, are you, am I treating God as holy? God will not be mocked. God will not be fooled by false worship with a mouth that says they believe in Jesus with feet that even bring you to church and back every Sunday morning, but with a heart that's not willing to yield and change and submit to Christ. As we come to a time of communion today, remember God when he himself taught us about God, when he said, I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious to. We're all here this morning because God bent down, pulled us up to him and showered us with grace. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. His glory came to earth in Jesus. Now we act. We don't strike the rock when he says speak to it. We submit. We read. We submit to the lordship of Christ. Our creator created us. So we can praise him, magnify, bring glory to his name. You know, later on today, when you go to your shop or you build something at your house, you can make it do whatever you want it to do. God created us to glorify him, to magnify his name. It's all about God. Our lives should be all about God. We need to respond with action and do our part in this wonderful relationship. Let's make it a point and let's increase our desire to grow in our understanding of his glory revealed to us through Christ. Let's read the words of Christ and obey. Submit to them because they are the truth. And let's this week 
Make it a desire, a passion, an action. Let's do, let's walk with Jesus this week. And hopefully every day for the rest of our lives. But as we're walking with Jesus, let's not just bring him along with us as an average, ordinary, common friend. But when we say let's walk with Jesus, let's let him lead. Let's walk with him out front. He is Lord. He is master. He is the sovereign God of the universe. Let's let Jesus lead as we walk with him as Lord of our lives. He's come to give us life and give us life abundantly. Let's stand and sing this beautiful song this morning. More and more about Jesus. Let's, let's let our hearts cry out to learn more and more and more about Jesus.